Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Konga. I'm Ryan Hen. Ryan, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm alright, thanks man. How are you? Good, thanks. You know, low-key weekend. Um, but yeah, enough about me. Let's talk about the football. Enough about you. <laughs> <laughs> we had, we've been teasing each other before we uh, re- were recording just about how absolutely not low-key Musa has been. <laughs> but anyway. Yes, yes. We hope everyone's staying safe, staying well, wherever you are in the world. Um, just uh, a, a quick bit of admin. We're not going to do Premier League today because you and I are on Wright's house tomorrow. Yeah. So we're going to do Premier League with Ian. So Liverpool fans, please don't need us. <laughs> we know you're top of the league, it's fine. <laughs> please don't need us. We're going to talk about it tomorrow. <laughs> we'll also talk about uh, two pretty horrific incidents over the weekend of racial abuse directed at black players. Mike Mignon and Milan against Udinese. They walked off the pitch and uh, came back out and played, which I think we have thoughts on. Mm. And also, um, Coventry City's Casey Palmer had uh, monkey gestures uh, directed at him on the weekend as well. Good for Mike Mignon and also good for his teammates in just taking that so seriously. I think it's, if you think how far this conversation has gone, the one that's been really striking about it is seeing teammates acting in full solidarity. That was really, I think, the, the part I take that's positive from this mess. Mm. They were absolutely there with him. And even after, like, he came back on the pitch, Udinese players, you saw quite a few going across, going, you okay, checking on him. Um, and that was, you know, that was players of all races. It was great to see that the solidarity, actually. So that's my, my main takeaway. Yep. Uh, we will talk about that with Ian uh, on Wright's House. And we'll do some Arsenal Crystal Palace chat as well. Yes. More, more yes. positive notes. Mm. Also, don't forget to check Counterpress, who have got themselves a hell of a weekend of Barclays WSL together. <laughs> they do. So, it was extra. It was extra. Oh my God. Uh, an incredible weekend in the WSL. And an absence of muted celebrations. Chelsea oh, Man U. Absolutely no muted celebrations whatsoever. <laughs> uh, I'm very much looking forward to Counterpress to listen to that. Yeah. Just quickly before we move on, can we shout out Sam Mewis, who retired from football? Yeah. An amazing career. Unfortunately, um, she said her, in a statement that her knees can no longer tolerate. What a, what a shame not to retire your terms. Yeah. I know. But, um, yeah. An incredible player and yeah. uh, wishing her the best in retirement. Yeah. We're going to focus on the Bundesliga and uh, La Liga today. But any other stuff you want to shout out, AFCON? Uh, just uh, AFCON is in progress. Uh, shout out to Equatorial Guinea who are doing pretty well in the group of death, in a group of death. Um, I was going to say the, the group of death. I mean, really, it, it kind of. I mean, look, Nigeria and Ivory Coast in there. And Ecuador getting a top. They've been really impressive. And also Cape Verde as well. Cape mm. Verde, who are slightly good. At the, I mean, I've said this before. I loved them in the last tournament. I just felt they didn't put together everything in terms of the goal scoring. But for Cape Verde and Ecuador getting to be top of their groups after two games played, it's... Extremely impressive. Are Egypt going to draw their way to the final? That's all I'm going to say. Listen, wouldn't, wouldn't be the first time. Yeah. <laughs> no Salah comes back for penalties in the final. Uh, he's, he's gone back to Liverpool to treat his injury. And he said that if, if Egypt gets to the final, he may return. Mm. But um, it's like his AFCON is over. Oh, real shame. Real shame. Yeah. Um, he said Asia Cup as well. Yeah, just quickly shout out to Iraq. Great win over Japan. Mm. Um, far more fancy Japan, so they go through. But yeah, really, really impressive. Um, 
from them and just a great tournament there. But got to say AFCON, in terms of upsets and shocks, AFCON still leads the way. It probably is the most, it's probably the tournament that offers the most shocks because I think it has the least respect for reputation, if that's fair. Because you have a lot of players that play in Africa that will see European, European players, players that based in Europe coming back as South America going, this is a test you're not ready for. And I love that. Also, it just gets people really hyped online. Unbelievably. Like, so hyped. Like, it's just, it's a, it's a completely, it's a completely standalone tournament, I think. It totally is, it totally is. And, yeah. uh, you know, well worth checking for all those who, um, for all those who have a moment. Oh, can I just say one last shout out? This mm. is a bit of a random one. Shout out to Versus, because Versus, on their AFCON preview, dropped Coffee Olamide on the playlist. Congolese legend. And I saw that and I thought, yes. <laughs> oh, actually, on that, I watched The Kitchen, right? Oh, yeah. No spoilers, yeah, yeah. but Ian's character reveal yeah. is soundtracked by my favourite Ghanaian tune of all time. Oh, really? Yeah, K Frimpong. That's a K Frimpong wild. tune. And I was just like, the amount of worlds that are colliding right now. I was just That's incredible. Like, I just heard the intro. I was like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> anyway, let's get on to, Stick to football. Bundesliga. Stick to football, Moose. Keep, <laughs> keep entertainment out of football, Moose. Football. <laughs> Moose Okwanga. Yes. Is it now or never, Kusen? Do you know what? The only reason I think it might be is because these players are playing so well under Jabby Alonso that I don't, I don't think he gets to retain this squad next season. For, That's the only reason. Yeah. That's the only reason. If they don't win this year, the quality of these players is such, and the youth of this squad actually in key areas is such that I think a lot of them are going to have their inboxes full over the summer. That's how well he's got them playing. For those who missed it, Mm. Bayer Leverkusen are seven points clear at the top of the Bundesliga having played a game more Bayern have their rescheduled game against Union this week yeah. Bayer Leverkusen involved in an amazing game in Leipzig yeah. going 1-0 down 2-1 down and winning in stoppage time at the end of the game however first what 15 minutes or so were probably the most that any team has dominated Leverkusen this season. I would go further, I think maybe even half an hour. Do you know why I say that? Because the left half of that field was, I don't know, it was like watching, it was like watching, it was like watching Penguins swim into an iceberg. I don't know how RB Leipzig did this, but they just overloaded that left flank and they dominated and they just couldn't, they do this really amazing, they play this, it's this amazing thing, they play like a four, Two, 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 right? But it's like a pincer formation. So you have mm. the two in this narrow, then it's not a narrow two, it's almost like a wide two, and they clamp you as you go through. I know you say 15 minutes, but I feel like it was even half an hour. The entirety of that first half, Leverkusen weren't at their best that we've seen them this season, but I think that they, they started to wrestle some, some, yes, yeah, some measure a little back, bit more yeah, control yeah. kind of about halfway through the first half. But that first, that first period, especially because Leipzig scored so early. Spectacular. Um, yeah. Javi Simons, Javi Simons' goal after seven minutes was so good. For those who haven't been watching him regularly, Javi Simons has been balling out for RB Leipzig and this goal may be his best so far, oh, considering the, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. timing and the quality of it. 
and actually, you know, you talk about the early dominance to, to your point about the first 15 minutes. If we're looking at the first 15, I think in the sense that pure suffocation of what Leverkusen tried to do, that first 15 should have been 2-0 because Seshko mm-hmm. has a chance, an easier chance, which he puts wide. He actually falls really well and just ciphers it narrowly wide of the post. And that would have been 2-0 within, I think, about 10, 11 minutes. And Leverkusen, given how the rest of the game went, I don't think they're coming back from that. I think if it's 2-0 then, the way that Rosa had them playing, and I think that Marco Rosa hasn't quite got the credit because everyone knows that Leipzig have got great resources. But we've known from, can see from Man United, that great resources alone don't make a great team. The way that Marco Rosa had them playing against Leverkusen specifically was, it was spectacular. Like, you, it was one of those games where you saw two, like, you know, brilliant tactical minds figure each other out. And the only thing, I mean, this is one of those, this is a cliche, but it's generally one of those few games you can say where the, the halftime whistle saved Leverkusen. I really think it kind of saved them because the balance of the game and the intensity that they came out with after the half, mm. I thought, was really striking. Like, I was watching this game, and I think maybe because Different of the second half. I have, a laser, I have a bit of a Leverkusen bias, I think, because I love the way that Chappies coached them. I love what Musa Diaby did there before. And I love what I, I heard it's because you have a preference from clubs that get around the 50 plus one rule. That's why. Oh my God. But they, they got back into it, um, Leverkusen. They started getting the ball down the left a bit more to, Grim- to Grimaldo, who was outstanding. And I think, you know, part of the Leipzig strategy, I think, was also because they know that so much goes through him. Mm. And so they managed to attack down the left and unbalance the pitch. But I think Leverkusen got wise to that after sort of the first 15, 20, and then started like spreading it. And then they got a couple of decent openings. The, the one thing that they struggled to do, which they really worked out in the second half, and I think the key to turning was they managed to integrate Schick more into the game. Yeah. It's the first half he looked, he was always, as a symbol of, of Leipzig's dominance in that first period, Patrick Schick's isolation was absolutely, I think, the key, the key element. Well, yeah, they just, just couldn't, they just couldn't play, they've couldn't been playing, they've played, so, they've played so well, like with combination this season, mm. like um, Leverkusen, and they just couldn't get, they couldn't really get into those positions where they've been hurting teams in the first half. Right, yeah. And they, and they constantly just seem to be worried about behind. I actually think Jonathan Tarr played really, really well at the back. Um, he was bold as well. Because there were a couple yeah, of times yeah, he yeah. was pulled out wide in the first half. Yeah. They get back into it in the second half. Early in the second half, they equalise and then they get stung on the counter-attack from an absolutely unbelievable goal. Mm. Uh, the second Leipzig goal from a pender yeah. was just like... Chavi Simons again, again instrumental. Involved, yeah. yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Like this whole... Appender, can I say shout out to Appender because it was minus two when the game kicked off, uh, centigrade, um, not Fahrenheit, minus two centigrade. And not only does a pender like come out in short sleeves, he takes off the gloves the second half. So now okay. you've got, they, they abs- this man was, he wanted all the smoke. He, was, he had an excellent first half, didn't get his reward. The second goal, the counter-attack was classic Marco Rosa. Like mm. this was outstanding. It was like the perfect Venn diagram. Those great Zam- uh, Gladback teams. It was, it was like the perfect Venn diagram of like, the Rosa we knew best and the way that Leipzig had managed to get their counter going. Paulson was really impressed the second half as well. Mm. But again, <sighs> Leverkusen's resilience. This is the thing. They, they're not just a very good football team. They're, they're not just a football team who've sustained the loss of, was it Tapsoba to AFCON mm. and a couple of others. They've lost, like, they've got big, big players out through injury. Um, Boniface is out till April. So they've got like, you know, they do, they've, got like, they've got a very good squad in terms of quality, but it's not as deep as the Bayern one. 
and they just keep finding resilience performances. And the most impressive thing is how they play. You talk about combinations. Some of the passing patterns from a team that actually doesn't play together that often because of the absentees, <clears throat> from a team that lost Frimpom during the game yep. and made a seamless That's change. Half an hour, like, right? But in terms of playing style, you could just swap in and swap out. Mm. It's so impressive. It may be the most impressive thing Leverkusen do. I mean, not every player is replaceable. I don't think that Florian Ritz can be replaced without a huge drop-off in quality. Everybody else. They look so full of belief in a league yeah. that I think is kind of unstable. Mm. For example, that's Leipzig's second home defeat in a row. Second defeat in a row, second defeat at home in a row. And mm. uh, for all the talk of Dortmund's struggles, we'll just talk about them in a little bit, they've already reeled them back in, they're level on points. Yeah. Uh, Stuttgart have wobbled the last couple of games. Like, if you... like. <laughs> Third and fourth place have had back-to-back defeats. Bayern right. lose at home to Werder Bremen for the first time in 32 games, I think it is. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit as well. But now, that, that run of form, still unbeaten, uh, seven points clear. These are the kind of buffers that you have to start building going into January, February with a Bayern side that could at any moment just, just kind of chase you down. But the difference between, mm. say, for example, this, this and... I don't really want to say Dortmund last year because I don't think the Dortmund last year is a, is a similar thing. But let's say Lucien Favre's Dortmund when that lead just got whittled down. Mm. Um, I think the difference is a complete belief and focus and understanding with what the manager wants to do, but also a clear instant impact. You know, Jonathan Tarr was saying afterwards about how he's made how Jabby, how much Jabby Alonso has made everyone better, and that. When you have a senior player like Jonathan Tarr, who's been there for a long time, great. Yeah. Like, he, he, has, he has improved massively under Jabby Alonso. How do I phrase this? Certain managers who have been players of a certain profile, let's say, yeah. if they also back it up with tactical nows and they speak to players on a level that, you know, a man management and stuff like that, you can see, the, you can see a, a group of players here with Leverkusen who just really, really, really really fucking want to play for Jabby Alonso. Yeah. And Granit Xhaka, you know, went there to play with for Jabby Alonso and also because Leverkusen gave him like a pathway through to coaching. You know, it's it's incredible. Whether they win the league or not this year actually, it's incredible how different this side looks to when he took over. Because they were kind of all over the place. And they look Really solid. They've got the best defensive record in the Bundesliga this season. This feels like a, a win, even though they've had a couple of late wins on the bounce. Now they, won la- they won late last week. But these are the kind of wins that I think, I mean, we said it last week, right? That's the kind of win that will win you a title. And they've had them back to back. And they've had them back to back. And they won't have them yeah. every week. That's the thing. They yeah. won't need to. But like Leipzig away is a tough game. In those conditions. Yeah. And they've got Gladbach at home next. And then um, they go to Darmstadt. They have Stuttgart at home in the in the cup, and then it's the big one. So for any anyone who wants to pencil in a Bundesliga game to watch this year, it's going to be if you're in the UK as well. It will be on TV because it's uh, outside of the blackout. Saturday, tenth of February, five thirty UK time, six thirty German time. Leverkusen at home to Bayern. That is one of the biggest games of the season because if Leverkusen win that game. I don't want to call it, but I can't see them dropping enough points to not win the league. Well, the thing that's so impressive about them, and this is the thing to mention as well, they're unbeaten in all competitions this season. All comps, yeah. Which is, which is unbelievable. <laughs> un- frankly, that's unbelievable. 
a stat that's almost as unbelievable is their goal difference. Because normally, normal, they're plus 36, same as Bayern. And the thing that's remarkable about this is normally in these title races, the massive advantage Bayern have is goal difference. We've seen it yeah. so often. And the thing that's hanging there psychologically is you just Bayern is blowing teams away week in, week out. So even if you're top of the league, Bayern are like, you know, you look over, you win like 2-1. You win 2-1 in the last minute against... I don't know, Freiburg, away at Freiburg, and like, oh, thank God we got that win. You look across the table, it's just like Bayern have like unleashed a 7-0 on someone. Mm. And, and it's because that goal difference is so strong, Bayern don't have any easy ways out. Mm. And it's really important that you look at like how good Harry Kane's been for them. This Bayern team, they're papering over the cracks in, in certain areas. And this is not to knock them, it's just that, look, I, this morning I was looking at the kind of the mismatch in the teams and the resources. I looked at like, you know, biggest ever German transfer fees. And it, you know, it's, it's, it's dominated by Bayern Munich in a way that it's not dominated by, let's say, Manchester United or City. Like if it, the financial firepower of Bayern Munich is just in terms of players they can afford to bring in on those fees. Just, I'm not saying that to like not Bayern, it's just in terms of the financial mismatch in terms of resources. What Leverkusen are achieving is extraordinary. And what Chavi's doing, and Chavi's doing within that as well, just to get back to Chavi as well, just in terms of this game, watching the Chavi Lancer magic like settle in. After about an hour, the passing pattern started emerging and they didn't go away again. And it, there's, there's, the thing that Brighton did so beautifully last year under Deserby, a bit under, under Potter, but it went to another level under Deserby, obviously. The bit where they bait you, like there was one bit where mm. Tar has the ball, Tar has the ball on the halfway line and he's the last player and the ball comes to him and he's being pressed by one player another straight behind you lose it there and it's like panic stations what does he do pings it up to the left ball goes around circulates intervates his feet and all of a sudden what's that that Simpsons meme when, when the kid chuckles I'm in danger yeah. <laughs> and from, from, from absolute danger on the halfway line for Leverkusen they're springing traps it is just and that was from half an hour towards the end, you were like, it wasn't inevitable that anyone was going to win this game, but you really felt like if anyone's going to put together a sequence to decide this game, it was going to be Leverkusen. You felt at that, I felt at that point, if Leipzig win this and they could still win it, it will absolutely be against the run of play. Um, yeah, in that second yes, half, Leverkusen really, they were just they were much better. Yeah, yeah they, they took it to a level. Yeah, definitely. Um, so that put the pressure on Bayern, who then lost at home to Werder Bremen. Uh, as I mentioned before, it's the first time, I think, in 32 games. Or, or Werder, Bre Werder hadn't beaten Bayern in 32 games. Mm. And they lose at home. They also had a goal disallowed, Werder. Oh, the great counter. Great counter attack. <laughs> For a foul on Musiala, which was a foul. It was, um, it was, it was. Great finish. But, uh, great finish. But... um. A weird, I actually thought this was quite a weird game because Bayern had loads of chances. Mm. Uh, they had all the ball. They could have easily won this 2-3-1. Yes. And it would have been calm. The problem is that you're seeing this season is that Bayern, Bayern have got themselves into a position where they don't have any margin for error. Mm. And uh, you're seeing it with, I think Tuchel was quite stressed after the game, was talking about how the team doesn't really have leaders. I saw Archie Rintut talking a little bit about this, about how... It's still Thomas Muller who is always brought out to, to, to do questions, even if he's not playing the whole game. 
Tuchel's an easy target, I think, for a lot of people, especially in Germany. Like he's 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 very very prickly in German. Tony Kroos is like that. There was a thing he said yeah. in the Champions League where they talked about a, it was a particular that, yeah. game. I just have they just won the Champions League? They either just won. It was and 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 the uh, comp, the reporter was like, "You made hard work of that." And Tony Kroos yeah, was yeah. like, "We've just won the Champions League," and he was yeah. like, and he said something like, "You know, basically like you're German, like this negativity." He was. And he was super prickly about like mm. going specific. It was, I think it was very much about, I think Cruz feels underrated at home, yeah. actually. I think he feels, you look at Spain, specifically Madrid and how he's revered there. There was a bit of talk about whether he should come back for the Euros. Wow. I mean, the way he's playing. I think they could really do with him. I mean, how can you afford, there's, look, there's not a team in national football that can afford to leave out Tony Cruz. Not, not, not playing, play, playing to his strengths. If he played his mm. strengths, there's not, and I say that, that's, that caveat's really important because what will happen is, of course, if he gets played and he gets pressed out of creation, people will be like, oh, like, he said he should have played. Well, if he played to Cruz's strengths, he's in his position, arguably the biggest threat. I think if Nagelsmann asked him back for the Euros, he'd come back. Dude, yeah. Uh, if he didn't, though, it'd be the most Tony Cruz thing ever. It would be, be like, <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, I've got a summer got, off. You I've, want me to go home and play my own country? I've got a podcast to do. I've got a podcast this to do. like, hell no, I don't need that. I <laughs> don't need that. Anyway. Two hour, two hour podcast where he's underrated. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's, go, but let's go back to his former club. Let's uh, wrap up on uh, Werder Bremen because Mitchell Weiser. Great segue. Great segue. Against his old club, Bayern. Didn't want to celebrate. Although, you know. That's, that's actually quite like most, I think most, most ex-Bayern players really want to celebrate. Against that was, that was, you know, can I say as well, Alfonso Davis, a little bit exposed in terms of defending mm. there for that goal. Lost the 50-50, he should have won. But Visa would deserve finish and Verda absorbed so much pressure in that game. I mean, again, this is one of those ones where it's easy as a Bayern fan to draw the wrong conclusion from a bad result. Don't get me wrong. Yes, of course, finishing can improve and play through the middle can improve. And clearly Goretzka is not a favoured player necessarily because he was on the bench and Guerrero started in midfield. Maybe there's a slight injury knock he's got, but fundamentally the story about Goretzka and Tuchel is that they don't have the best, well, he's not using to best effect, I think. But that, that aside... Um, can, we, can we just hype Visor's goal? Yeah, it was, I was going to get to that. I was going to get to that. So Visor wins the 50-50, cuts inside and rips it. My God. Into the roof of the net. Because that's the only way you beat Neuer from there. Well, really. Neuer had that unbelievable save. Uh, yeah, he did, in, he did, he did. Was it, was it, in the, it was in the first half, right? That deflection. First. Yeah, first. And it was just like, he still got it. Yeah, yeah. Still <laughs> <got> it. <laughs> well, actually the disallowed finish, I think, and Jima's disallowed goal oh, in the first half. So I good. Mean, Although Neuer. I expect him to miss, I expect him to miss well, that. I think, I think, I think, I think Neuer did. I think everyone yeah, yeah. in the stadium did, apart from Gima. And I was like, you have to go with full confidence. Imagine that Neuer confident. looking down at his gloves, being like, "My aura, my aura." Yes. <laughs> there's a there's a German there's a thing they do on German TV. They have <laughs> they have a percentage of goal likelihood, which is a bit ridiculous because like they, they'll do like it's, it is a bit ridiculous stat because they've got like. Nathan Teller scoring the tap in, they said, oh, that was a 97% chance of like goal probability, which is a bit ridiculous. But I'd be fascinated to see the goal probability when someone goes through one-on-one against Neuer. I'd love to see what the stat is for that, because I reckon that is not 
That's definitely not 97. You know, you have those things going around where people are like, oh, how many goals do you reckon you'd score in like, if you played up front for Man City in this season? I'm going to ask you this now, actually. You have five penalties. Yeah. You have five free kicks from outside the box and you have yeah. 10 freestyle one-on-ones with Manuel Neuer in a training mm. session. So that's yeah. 20 opportunities in total. 10 yeah. from dead ball. Yeah. 10 from free, like, open play. How many goals do you think you're scoring against none, Manuel Neuer? None. None. Not a single one. I'll tell you why. There's a great podcast, New Heights, and they talked about this. Like, if you had to take on, tackle like a particular running back, how many times would you stop him? A hundred attempts, how many times do you stop him? And the reason I tell you the answer is zero is this. There's a stat that no one factors in. It's called demoralization. The first time that guy runs at you and he goes through you like a train, you're then thinking, I have to do 99 more of these. And by the end of that exercise, you're probably sobbing. And now here's the thing. If I had, let's say, the first attempt I had was outside the box against Manuel Neuer, and he catches it yeah, and laughs, yeah. I'm then thinking, he catches it and laughs, and then I think, or he just flicks over the back of his hand, even worse, he swats it away, like a troublesome mosquito. Then I'm like, I've got 19 more of these. And then you've got friends at the side, oh, Moose, yeah, we'll film it just in case you score. <laughs> and they're recording it. I, so five penalties, five to three kicks from outside the box and 10 one-on-ones. Well, see, I was quite good at football, so I reckon I'd get four. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> there he is. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I mean, to be honest, do you know what I would do? I, I'd take the penalties first. I'd take the penalties first. And I'd Penenka the first one because no one would dare do that. No fucking amateur would dare <laughs> Panenka, Manuel Neuer in the that's first the, penalty the against first, him. The t- the sp- none, none. And then, <laughs> you want to talk about demoralisation, Manuel <laughs> damn bad. Bad damn bad. <laughs> the anger, no, the, I think if he'd be consumed by anger, and this is the key, if you could get Panenka first, he'd be so consumed by anger, Ryan, that he'd be trying to get back there. He'd be like, you know, he might rush you actually. This is the thing. Do you know what? Do the penalty first and then do the one-on-one second because he'd be so angry, he'd try and take you out. He'd rush you in his head. He'd have that look, that wild look in his eyes. <laughs> Where he's all gone. Penalty first, then one-on-one, then penalty, and just do the psychological disintegration. <laughs> all I'm saying is have a taxi waiting by the end, because he'll chase you back to your car. Uh, just to clarify before anyone gets in my face. The funny thing is that we both asked, that that's the most honest answers I think either of us have both given to a goalkeeper, football in question. No, 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 no. That, that, you would, Penenka, you would, you would. No, 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 because I, being, being serious, like serious, if I got one against an elite goalkeeper, I would be delighted. Mm. Dude, it's Manuel Neuer. Like, he'd, say, he'd save my first one, then low self-esteem would kick in. That's what would happen. For you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, this is a silly game. It's a silly game. Much like football. Uh, Which we'll get back to. Right, right. So back to the Bundesliga, since we've digressed. Have we digressed though? Because I enjoyed that talk, actually. I, I did enjoy it. How, were we done on, on Werder Bremen? Yeah, just a great win for them because they're, they're low down the table. Um, so this was obviously huge for them. It's their first win over Bayern in yeah. what? Like, like 15 forever. years? Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. And they uh, host Freiburg next, who got a late win against Hoffenheim. Hurler opens the scoring. Grifo scores the second. It's just like Freiburg bingo. And Love Christian it. Strike actually was like really, really hyped after the game. Like ran onto the pitch and everything. I've not seen him that animated for a while. Uh, it's a big, big win for Freiburg. Yeah, they're in seventh. Not bad yeah. at all. Not bad at all. Well, they're level on points now with Eintracht, who gave away a two-goal lead to draw two-all in the Hesse derby against 
uh, Darmstadt, a 95th minute equaliser for Christoph Clara in this game. Um, Donny van der Beek looks like he's having a nice time though. Playing, I'm starting, so, so playing well. Yeah. Uh, he was involved in the, I think it was the first Eintracht goal, uh, kind of earlier on in the move. Other Manchester United players were having a good time. Jaden Sancho, who... Manu, yes, yes. Who played really, really well. He got uh, just over an hour in this game for Dortmund. They beat uh, Köln 4-0 in Köln. Two wins in two. Two comprehensive wins in two. Both away from home. Clean sheets. Admittedly against the bottom and second bottom sides in the Bundesliga. Yeah. But sides that we very, very often seen Dortmund slip up against away from home. This is it. Nuri and Sven coming in on the bench. Get the band back together. I think it's giving them a bit of... I love it. I love it. That's a cool bench, man. Super cool. The only regret coming in the season, maybe they didn't do it sooner, actually. I mean, easy to say that now. I'd love to have seen Sancho there from the start of the season, but you know, yeah, that's my, that's my, that's my own bias. I do recall us saying that he should go back a while ago. It, it played out the way it was meant to. It played out the way it was meant to. Yeah, and also, I mean, they're not going to win the league this year now, so just making sure that they get, like if they get third this season from where they were, yeah, Kind of, remote, it's kind of that's been an amazing result for them. I think so, and it's you know it's it's absolutely possible. It's absolutely doable. Sancho won the penalty, which Nicholas Fulkrug put away for Dortmund's second. Uh, two goals for Daniel Marlin. Can we just shout out though, by the way, Ian Matson's pass for the second Marlin goal, which was absolutely otherworldly. Yes, so good, so so good. It was like Dalglish to Ian Rush. Oh. No, like. Kay Dalglish would just split the game oh. open and Ian Rush would just be strolling onto it and you just knew, you knew it was over. Just the way that like, the way that like um, Marlon's body language opened up when the ball came to him. Like that, that was, you can tell how good the pass is by the body language of the striker. The shoulders just going back going, this is done, this is over. Mm. Loved it. Just a really good win for Dortmund. Nice yeah, routine yeah, wins. Like it feels like it's been a while since they've had these nice routine wins and um, yeah, looking good. Let's take a quick break. Let's do it. All right, and before we do La Liga, can we just shout out Utrecht, who ended PSV's 100% start to the season in the Eredivisie. Uh, one all draw on the weekend means that mm. PSV have dropped points in the Eredivisie for the first time this season. Although, Wild. surprise, surprise, they're still top. Fair enough. Who would have thunk it? Um, meanwhile, John Henderson was watching on from the stands uh, with his Ajax scarf on. Big Ajax, win for them. Yeah, Ajax 1-4-1 at home. Um, yes, I, PSV is still 10 points clear of <clears throat> Feyenoord at the top of the Eredivisie. Ajax, though, are uh, pushing for... They're, they're fifth now. They're, gonna, they're, they're three points behind Alkmaar in third um, so their recovery this season has been kind of pretty pretty good uh, yeah. but we're going to go to Spain because the top three were all involved in some wild games this weekend they were uh, let's start with the league leaders because they responded extremely well to Real Madrid's late win over Almeria which we'll talk about in a little bit uh, by putting Sevilla away 5-1 after going from 1-0 down by the way the goal before the thrashing Musa yes there were a couple yeah. of those moments. There were a couple of those, uh, was it 1-0? A team that got absolutely hosed 
I think it was in the Bundesliga, got hosed and they had a big chance at nil-nil and then got cooked. So yeah. Yeah. Hat-trick for Dovbich. He's been great. He's been great all year, actually. 14 goals in the league this season. And like I said, that was, that was a big, big result because earlier in the day, uh, Real Madrid had got away with one against Almeria. Yeah, big time. He went 2-0 up. Mm. Uh, and actually, the one sad thing about this was that Ariba scored a great goal on the breakaway and did a muted oh. celebration because he played for Real and the goal was then disallowed. And I just right. thought, well, that's the most tragic muted celebration of all time. Well, we need to talk about all of this. So let's start with uh, Ramazani's first goal, opening goal in, what, 37 seconds it was for Almeria? Yeah. And then, um, I mean, Real Madrid basically for the whole of the first half had all the ball and created not a lot. They didn't have right. a shot on target for the entire first half. Um, and they went into the break 2-0 down because Edgar Gonzalez hit an absolutely unbelievable goal. <laughs> <laughs> in the top right-hand corner. Yeah, ripped it. But then Real Madrid came to play in the second half. It did. Jude with a penalty, um, a dispute, hotly disputed, it must be said. Mm. And then the Real Madrid comeback machine was in trail. Uh, Vinicius popping up and then Carver Howe with the late, 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 late winner. It was funny because um, I saw Tony Rudiger do an interview in which he was talking about his ideal Real Madrid like, five-a-side. Mm. And the thing that he referenced most strongly was Carvajal's like fighting spirit. So I felt really appropriate he got the winner in this game. Do you think they were lucky though? Because I think they got really lucky with some decisions. They did. They did. Like the penalty, Almeria couldn't believe that. And then you had the goal, uh, Aribos' goal ruled out for a foul on Bellingham, which... The dispossession on the halfway. Yeah. And he basically, uh, Bellingham kind of gets caught with a hand. Yeah. But it's just literally like a normal, natural reaction, right? Uh, or, yeah. Or or action and um, it wasn't like an arm was swung or anything right, and yes. I think this is one of those that um, I'm 50-50 on these because obviously I think there's like a threshold but then you make it even more subjective I think they were lucky to get away with it Real Madrid because I don't think it was really no. I don't think it was a tell, foul there was contact tell, but I don't think it was a foul you can tell from their celebration how lucky they felt yeah. Like in the course of the game, you can tell by the celebration at the end how much it... Yeah. But, but in terms of the specific incident, it's one of those ones, it wasn't like the Verda breakaway goal by Jima by where you're like, mm. you knew from the start, like I, you, you see when Musiala gets dispossessed, you're thinking at the time in real time, that's probably a foul. This one, I had to rewatch it to work out what had happened. And yeah. not because it was so quick, but because it seemed innocuous. So I think mm. they were really unlucky with that goal, I think, on Mary. Yeah. And they were also quite unlucky with the Vinicius Junior goal because... It was below the shoulder. I'm not sure what entirely what the directive is from the La Liga in terms of handball, but mm. it was very much like everyone everyone was expecting it to get ruled out because yeah. he'd made basically cross comes in and Vinicius. I think kind of Vinicius acted like he thought it was going to be disallowed it as like well. An own goal at first because I couldn't. The angle that comes yeah, off is so he strange. Didn't really yeah. celebrate, and it's because no. it basically came off the part of the arm below the shoulder, in between the shirt, right. uh, the shoulder and the shirt sleeve. Yeah. I think this should have been disallowed. I think so. I think so. Uh, and Garitano was just understandably getting more and more perplexed on the touchline. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was um, fair. Yeah, yeah. And then there was the the goal very, very late on. Bellingham floats across with the head. I'm not sure if he was going for goal, just putting it back into the mix. Off the deep cross comes in, but then Carvalho popping up at the far post, mm. rips it in the corner and Bedlam ensues. But 
Garitano had been sent off at this point, by the way. Yeah, unsurprisingly. I mean, you know, there was a lot of frustration going around, and mm. rightly so. But yeah, really resilient comeback from Madrid. Really impressive. They were, they were very unlucky, Almeria, I thought. Yeah. There was also the very narrow side for the Bellingham goal. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, oh, my that God. Was, yeah, yeah. That what was a goal spirit, as well. Spiritually onside. Frank Garcia couldn't, didn't hold the run. And, um, I, don't, I don't know if that qualifies for a spiritually onside goal because it happened so early in the move, the offside, that it didn't really... Fair enough, yeah. You know what I mean? There are, rules to, this, there are rules to this ridiculous shit. <laughs> uh, speaking of ridiculous shit, should we go to the Marine? Yes, wow. Uh, Real Betis 2, Barcelona 4. I mean, first of all, there may be three different players of the match. Isco, Ferran Torres, and Laminia Mal. They absolutely balled out. Absolutely balled out. Ferran Torres, who is as prolific as we hoped he would once be when he was at City, gets the first two, and that's only the start. Like, there was some, even, even, there was so much going on in this game that Ferran Torres scores twice. The most exciting thing wasn't even in the first, it wasn't even that. It was Laminia Mal's effort that came up, ripped off the post. Wow. (laughs) That guy was absolutely, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Then Isco pops up with a lovely double. Who has been, he's been playing some superb he's football. He's unbelievable this season. Signed the new contract until 2027. Was at Sevilla last year. Only got a goal. They were like, yeah, the move didn't work. I think the, ca- the, I think the contract got cancelled like last winter. Well, yeah, because he was going to go to Union in the winter. And then he didn't just work basically out. was without a club. Yeah, Didn't work out at all. And he was like, hang on a minute. Just stay in the same city and see what else I is mean, popping. <laughs> like if you if severe let you go and better like do you want to come play with like, yes yes I do yeah I absolutely do yeah. <laughs> so he got um uh, a couple of goals um not just a couple of goals though the first one one of those that absolutely stayed hit and the technique of it the ball kind of bounced up he hits this kind of rising strikes it so sweet it has to make its way past a couple of players to go in but it was traveling right. with such force they didn't like like Araujo <laughs> basically like sees it on the line, tries to gesture towards it. And I'm not sure if it's a bit like, I'm going to make this look like I can't get there because I really don't fancy having my like head in the <laughs> way of this. But then the my second one, just cinched off, yeah. the second one is so good because the ball is over his head height and it bounces right. and he jumps and kind of just like toes it over in the Pena. Oh my God. But his all round play was amazing all game. He's still only 31, Ryan. <sighs> Dude. Like, Isco has won everything multiple times. Well, well, not obviously international level, but yeah, certainly like a club level multiple times. And he's still only 31. Yeah. And it was, it was always a question of fit with Isco, actually. Mm. If he'd, and he's a, he's a good example of a player whom the game has passed by. It's not because he lacks quality. It's because the very specific qualities he has, you have to kind of build a team around him. That's not a knock mm. on him. It's just because of his, you know, his, his, his size, actually. Yeah. But if you do get him working he's, he's spectacular Jal Felix comes on he came on for Pau Kapasi who was making his debut at centre back 16 years yeah. old actually was playing really really well yeah they're really happy they sound they're really happy with it yeah we've talked about this I think before about what's so perplexing about Barcelona is that they have such a great crop of youngsters coming through at the moment that they, they could do. abandon this frankly bizarre transfer strategy that they've implemented right. over the last couple of years gone with a really good young core and actually kind of like gone golden generation Mark II energy totally, with some totally, great pieces yeah. around it. Do you know what I mean? But uh, Jao Felix comes on, scores an absolutely unbelievable goal. Oh, the outside of the right foot from the edge of the box. Goodness. That's as good a finish as you'll see 
in the next few months. That that is a special, special. So good. Yeah, yeah. And then Ferran Torres completing his hat trick a couple of minutes later, and that was it. And the pass by Laminia Mao. This is, like I said, I, mean, I just keep... It's just been unbelievable this season when he's played. You think of all the wide players that Barca have got and the fact they've mm. got a 16-year-old who is matching all of them. It's unbelievable. You know the way that like people were just relying on Pedri for the central creative aspect and you couldn't believe they were relying on a player that young. Mm. That, but it's not like it's a problem for them. Same with Gavi. Gavi, Pedri and Laminia Mal, super young, three of the best young players in world football all playing for Barca and when Gavi gets back that's going to be unreal really nice Kevin to see Lopez Gavi as well nice like, to see Gavi yes and nice to see Gavi cel- celebrating and in the mix with this big like grey jacket on just like hugging everyone out I was, it was nice to see him nursing his way back get well soon absolutely get back in the mix oh I miss him I miss him so and his untied you. shoelaces <laughs> but yeah great great win for Barcelona and one that um, well you know eased the pressure I think a little bit on Javi who mm. I mean, there's, there's a lot of talk wondering whether he'll last the summer. Mm. Which is wild, actually. It's scary how quickly you can lose your, and this is a, lose your aura as an ex-player becoming a manager. It is scary. Mm. And this is why the Chabi Alonso approach of just, cause we don't know exactly what he was offered because we'll never know full, the full extent of what his agents were sent when he took the Leverkusen job. But someone that just takes their time can't beat that because Xavi being in that job at Barcelona because there was so much rebuilding to do it's hard to work out how you know how how good he is or how good a job he's doing because there's just so many variables the pathway know? should have been Barca B you know what I'm saying right there's just so many variables there that I think any coach struggles that it's hard to get a good read on it if you look at like you know look at Marco Rosa now at Leipzig and you look at Dortmund and other you know the other jobs like you just think the underlying conditions have to be so solid and so firm. The fundamentals have to be good. And at Barcelona, they've just never been good. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying Xavi hasn't made problems. He ha- hasn't made mistakes. He has made mistakes. But just, just a hot mess, dude. Yeah, but I also think that he's not done himself any favours by just, I mean, what style of football would you say Xavi wants his Barcelona side to play? That's the most damning indictment. You know what I mean? For a for a coach and a for a player who is so defined by identity, a yeah. playing identity. Yeah. So that means Girona are a point clear of Real Madrid, who have a game in hand. Uh, Barcelona are seven points behind Real Madrid in third. A uh, quick shout for Valencia, by the way, who beat uh, Athletic Club on the weekend, one nil. Um, Real Sociedad were back to winning ways they beat Celta Vigo 1-0 away and uh, we're recording this ahead of Granada's game against Atletico Madrid oh you wanted to shout out Antoine Griezmann quick from last week because we haven't talked we haven't spoke since the Copa del Rey last week no we haven't we haven't Real Madrid beat Atleti 5-3 and we're not going to do it now but uh, Griezmann's goal in this game has led has led led us onto something that you might be doing for the site yes I just want to talk about so like Antoine Griezmann, that, that spectacular goal he scored made him an Atletico Madrid's all-time standalone top goal scorer with 174 goals. And the reason that is incredible is that Griezmann isn't just a goal scorer. In fact, and this is the article I want to write, if it makes Griezmann so special is that he often spends a football match looking as if he's trying to do anything but score goals. Mm. And I don't mean because he's not an efficient finisher. He's really efficient. It's that he literally... There are times when he's got 
three different roles on a pitch. And I think the best example of this was, fun enough, the World Cup campaign with France, where it was just like, I'll do whatever has to be done to win, whatever the team or coach requires. And he is the most Atleti player, actually. It's, it's amazing that someone comes into Atleti from abroad and embodies the club as well as anyone who's ever played for them. Mm. So I'm going to write a piece about how much I just love his work ethic and how you could put him in any team. Ironically, apart from the Barcelona team he was in, you could put him in any team in the world and he'd find a role and find a way to improve them. I think he's, yeah, can't praise him enough. It's like a hyperactive Bernardo Silva, which if you see how hyperactive Bernardo is, that's uh, saying something. So yeah. <laughs> well, look out for that. And if yeah, you want to yeah. uh, be the f- first people to know about that, go to stadio.football, scroll to the bottom, pop your email address in, sign up for our newsletter. Yes. Um, that will be going out. We, that's, that's going out this week? Yeah, go out this week. Yeah, yeah. But let's get out of here. We're going to leave that for today. Um, don't forget, we're going to do the Premier League and um, Mike Mignon and Casey Palmer incidents from the weekend. We're going to do those on Wrighty's house tomorrow. Musa, myself and Ian. Uh, don't forget to check Counterpress for their wrap-up of the WSL from the weekend. And don't forget to check the Stadio Actress Plays on Spotify. Speaking of which, playing out on. This kind of makes me feel like... I was, so I was watching The Kitchen, right? And you know the mm. cameo drop on when, they, when they're at the roller disco? Yes, yes. And it reminded <laughs> me of this, uh, which was a tune that we nearly played out on a few weeks ago, a track called What Do You Want Me To Do by Christopher J. And it's got, it's got roller disco energy. Love that. So uh, we're going to play out on this one. And um, I reckon I'll do it. Anything you would like to add, Musa Bonga? Nothing further. Are you sure? Yes, I'm quite sure. All right, everyone. Much love. We will be back on Thursday. See you then.